Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett and I'm joined today with David Payette of PayetteForward.com. And I wanted to interview David and bring him to you all today so that we could kind of look into discovering a hot niche and how to really develop a blog and work with things like organic traffic and monetizing the blog. As an online course creator, if you're starting as you know just a subject matter expert and you're blogging, uh, it can be big on your mind. Like, well, I need to get some income going here before I you know, take more time and invest more into building my course and taking a risk on launching that. So we're going to kind of get into David's journey as a really interesting journey with his blog over at payitforward.com. And also David's going to be asking me some questions about where he's at as he's considering launching a membership site and, and courses. He, he has some questions that would be of value to you to, to see, um, you know, what we, what we talk about in our conversation. So thank you for coming on the show, David. Thanks for having me. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, your story. Like how did the blog start? What is pay it forward? And what is this hot niche you discovered? Sure. Thanks. Um, and thanks for inviting me to be on the, uh, the podcast today. Um, pay it forward. Um, like it sounds is a play on words. My last name is Payette, And, uh, I was working at an Apple store in upstate New York in Albany uh, a few years ago, and I don't know who suggested the name to me, but somebody somebody there did. Um, my story is, uh, is one of sort of unexpected success. Uh, about four years ago, I was working in the Apple store uh, here in upstate New York, which is where I am right now, and uh, I was a technician, and uh, I was a family room specialist, not a genius. Uh, and I loved certain parts of the job, but in other ways, I wasn't a great fit. Um, at the time, I was becoming frustrated uh, with the way that things were going at work and some of the policy changes. And really, it wasn't their fault at all. It was just that I wasn't um, – there were some things that, that, uh, that I wasn't happy with. So one of the things was I realized that I wanted to be able to spend more time with each customer, but Apple – because – it's a busy store. They need to be able to get people in and out real quick. Um, one of the things was that uh, I like to come up with creative solutions that I found myself uh, suggesting things. And, uh, you know, those uh, suggestions weren't taken, but it was totally fine. Like Apple's doing fine. Apple was great. So I, the reason I mentioned that is that, um, let's see, in February of 2013, I got to a place where I realized that I, I was frustrated. I wasn't a good fit. So I quit. And I started my own business. And I just want to interject there. For those of you listening, uh, one of the, the words I use to classify the people that are listening to this type of show, we call them education entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And part of just being an entrepreneur in general is you, you usually you hear a common thread of either the, you know, you were kind of unemployable mm -hmm. or like you discover some big opportunity or a combination of both. Or there's some kind of driver in you that's like just really driving you to create in the world. Mm -hmm. And that, that unemployable quality, which I also share with you, is it's not that you can't get a job. It's just that certain things are fundamentally, like if you can't see your ideas expressed or you're being forced to, you know, minimize the parts that you love about the job or feel like you need to, to execute on what the promise is, like you need engagement, you need to spend a lot of time with the customer. If you don't get to fulfill that, it is really frustrating. So I, 
And it's a very common thing for entrepreneurs to, um, you know, have that quality, but yeah, I think that's good to hear too. And, um, one of my takeaways was that I realized that even though I was told sometimes that, uh, my ideas or even if my ideas weren't taken to heart or weren't executed, it didn't mean that they were bad ideas. And that's sort of where I, and the reason I mentioned my frustration with Apple is not to, to knock Apple or anybody at the store at all, because overall it turned out to be a, a wonderful experience for me, but I couldn't see it at the time. So uh, in February of 2013, I, I quit and I started my own local web design and consulting business. Um, and I, my goal was to work with local web design businesses or local companies to help them increase their presence online, uh, which is what a lot of people do when they start out. Um, so I called that pay it forward and it had nothing to do with uh, iPhones or anything that I ended up doing later. So um, as part of starting that business, um, I figured, okay, I'm going to be selling websites to people. So that's when I learned how to use WordPress it was really only about three years ago. Um, and I discovered it, you know, I always thought that blogs were stupid and I thought that WordPress, I thought it was just for blogging and just like a lot of people, um, you know, have a misconception about how powerful WordPress is. The people that are listening to this podcast know how powerful WordPress is if they're, if they're there. But I think that probably a lot of people can relate to that uh, preconceived notion and how that changes. So I learned how to use WordPress. I built myself a website because I thought, hey, if I'm going to sell websites to people, I should have one of my own so I can put it on a business card. And uh, as part of building that website, I made a blog section. And the reason I did it was so that I could tell people when I sold them a website that, hey, I have a blog and uh, you can have one too. So I, I figured, okay, I need to put something in this blog section or else it's just going to look empty. So I wrote one blog post over breakfast uh, one morning in August of uh, 2013, and I totally forgot about it. And I think I, I just want to share with you a similar story. Sometime in 2013, I believe, I wrote a blog post about my journey is on my web design blog about my journey with building my online course <laughs> when I was using some off the shelf WordPress plugins and themes to put together. And that, that blog post kind of went viral. All the other posts I wrote, nobody didn't really get much attention. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden people started contacting me with questions about WordPress and online courses like management yeah. systems. And over the course of these years, I specialize in that, build a software product for that. But it all, it all started with me writing a blog post in 2013 that I didn't really think much about. It wasn't an intentional, like, I'm going to make a viral blog post. But mm -hmm. anyways, I'm just, I'm just noticing a similarity here. Absolutely. And that, that's amazing. Um, and so I had taken one uh, WordPress course uh, on lynda.com, and I really learned a lot from that. And one of the... the uh, pieces of advice that they gave as part of the course was for a blog post formula, ask a question, answer it, you know, so, you know, make the title of the blog post, the question, answer it in the body. And I, so I took that formula and I said, okay, what was the most common question that people used to ask me about in the Apple store? And it was, why does my iPhone battery die so fast? Because anybody with an iPhone could relate to iPhone battery problems. So as an Apple store employee, I got a lot of experience solving that problem. And I had some answers firsthand. Um, so I wrote that as the title, and I wrote the answer in the body of the article. And as I said, I forgot about it, and I never intended to write another blog post. Um, and then six months later, it went viral, and five million people read it in a week. And it was one of those um, ridiculous sort of life-changing experiences. I remember 
I was sitting uh, downstairs in my parents' house with my dad. And prior to that day when it started to take off, I had been getting about 150 hits a day on that article. And I thought that was amazing, like that 150 people from all over the world were showing up and like reading my article. That's pretty decent. I it mean, really it really is cool. Yeah, it is. It was. It is remarkable that anybody shows up. It's still amazing to me that people show up and read my articles. Um, so I remember sitting with him. We watched the number go up to twenty six people at once, and then uh, we watched it go up to like ninety five people at once. And I thought something was broken, and so did he. And then I think at the peak there were like thirteen thousand people uh, at one time reading my article. So. <laughs> right. It was, it was crazy and it was great. I had made, um, and I had monetized my website just enough to make enough money to, to uh, move to Maui. And I, it, was a, it was a really cool experience of the way that everything happened. Well, let me, let me unpack that piece just a little bit. Is how do you monetize a blog? Like, what did you do? Well, the easiest way to monetize a blog and the way that I did it at first was with Google AdSense. And I think this was before the days of the official Google AdSense plugin. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it's, it's just that process of finding an ad network um, and placing the ad units on the page and then letting the ad network do the work in terms of finding the correct advertisers uh, for the people that are on your website. Yeah. So for the uninitiated out there, Google AdSense, <clears throat> and correct me if I'm wrong, David, but the version you're talking about here is you have a blog and then you have these ad units, which are just squares that either go kind of inside the content or around it, like in the sidebar or at the bottom or at the top of the website and the ad network, you put some code in there and the ad network actually displays banners mm -hmm. and that's pretty much it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing process. So Google has two different sides of their business. They have AdWords, which is where people buy the advertisements. So a lot of people, when they sign up for hosting plans, get that $25, you know, spend 25, get a hundred dollar AdWords credit. Yeah. And, uh, sometimes those are the ads that end up on my website, you know, so there's that side. And then there's the publisher side with AdSense. I get paid 68 cents of every dollar that people spend with AdWords. So it's a, it's a really cool um, way that it works. And, um, AdSense is, uh, I mean, people come up to me all the time and they're like, hey, I was on your website. I think it's awesome. You're advertising the exact same product that I was looking at like two days ago. And that's, called, that's yeah. called retargeting. Right, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, people, um, pe and then other people will say to me, you know, how do you choose the advertisers that show up on your website? Like, how do you get these relationships? And, um, you know, I tell them AdSense does all the work for me. Um, what for those of you that don't know, that's how Google really makes a lot of their money. So it's not, they don't make any money off search engine, but uh, this they is make, how they make their majority of their income. They make something like $17 billion a quarter on advertising uh, revenue. Right. And um, of that, a lot of it gets paid out to, I think most of it is in the Google search um, stuff, but a lot of it, like billions of dollars every quarter gets paid out to, to publishers like myself. Um, so there's, it's not like there's just a little money going out right now. It's a, it's an absolute ton of money that, that Google um, pays out to publishers. For and, and if you're going to do it though, you need to have a high traffic site. Like it doesn't, I mean, I see a lot of people with AdSense that they don't have the numbers of traffic to, uh, to really justify the ads or whatever. And I mean, not, you can't always... Uh, engineer it. And I know you discovered this, you were like, all of a sudden it went from a hundred to like 13,000 people at once. But what's your, 
what other tips do you have for people about, you know, that you had the question and the answer format for the blog posts? Yeah. And then you have um, uh, just paying attention to your analytics to make sure you're aware when things, when things yeah. slip off. But what, yeah. else, what else for organic traffic? Like how, what tips do you have for somebody who's not courses and stuff aside, just for building a blog and content? Like how do you get good organic traffic? Yeah, and if I may, if I may plug a course that we're actually developing right now, um, and we're going to call it Blog Winners. Okay. Um, but I wanted to, and it's something that I'll ask you about too, because um, I think I could be an interesting case study, and some of the people that are listening to this course might be interested um, in, and probably in the same situation of someone who has, you know, developed a system that works, or something that they're like, people coming to me all the time and asking me how I do it, and then you know, for myself realizing that hey, this is something that is is marketable. And then when confronted with the choice between do I go into high-end client work or do I try to put this out and, and give it away to people uh, in a course format is, is a decision that for me at this point isn't very hard for me because I love to, uh, I mean, I, I love the independence and the ability to work directly with, um, with people and not necessarily high-end clients that demand a lot of attention. Um, although I would make exceptions in certain cases. So, so just backing up though, to your previous question, um, I would say just about AdSense, to not wait um, to turn on AdSense or to apply, even if you're only getting five or 10 people on your, on your website a day or, or not much traffic at all. There's really no reason not to apply for AdSense and set up a couple of ads um, if you do it correctly. And as long as you don't, um, you know, go outside the bounds of what Google allows or put too many ad units on a web page. So in that week, I made about, uh, all, you know, I made over $10,000 that week um, from AdSense. Um, and it could have been 50 or 60 if I knew what I know today about how to optimize ad placements and how to use that type of um, revenue. But, you know, people should know that if, if I didn't have AdSense on my website with my 150 bucks a, uh, or 150 people a day making less than a dollar a day in AdSense. You know, if I had waited, I might have missed out on a ton of money. And so I think it's important as, as one piece to set, to set ourselves up for success in that respect. That's awesome. Um, so about organic SEO. Uh, that's sort of my bread and butter right now, and I, I, love, I love talking about SEO. Um, I think that it's just such a valuable um, commodity right now, content. Um, a lot, and it's a great opportunity, like someone like me um, who has a brand new website, so I didn't have domain authority, I didn't have page rank, I didn't have all these buzzwords that people uh, say that you need uh, to be uh, successful at SEO. And there are a ton of people right now that are, you know, there are a ton of websites. If you, you Google like SEO secrets or, you know, the what do you need and people make promises about what needs to happen to be successful in SEO. And I found that a lot of those things are just entirely untrue or outdated. And in some cases, the same things that worked five years ago, like tags or meta tags, can actually hurt uh, websites today. So I, uh, you know, you've probably everyone has heard content is king. Um, and if that's the truth, then people who are creating courses are in the best position to, um, to take advantage of, of SEO today. And so I would challenge people to, okay, I'm going to sell a course, but like every piece of um, content within that course is SEO material and is article material. And 
can be used to get free traffic to the website and then can be used to sell the course. So I think that content marketing is huge. Um, and there are a lot of companies that are doing it well and a lot of companies that aren't doing it very well. And yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, the course creator out there has a unique advantage in that they're pretty experienced at creating content. Mm-hmm. Whereas for some people, that's a struggle. But typically, if you're teaching something, you're usually no problem cranking out some written content or doing some video content or creating image content. Like the course creator has a unique advantage. Absolutely. And, and we've been able to sort of replicate that success, not just on my website. And, and the iPhone battery article is no longer the most popular article um, on my website. I think it's um, my iPhone won't charge is number one right now. And uh, my iPhone, my headphones won't, won't work or something. It's one of those that is the most popular. Um, and right now I should mention my numbers. Obviously viral hits are great, but it's not sustainable. <laughs> like it's not, yeah. I can't expect to have that every week. So right now as a baseline, we see about 1.6 million uniques a month um, and about 50,000 organic clicks a day from um, organic SEO on that website. Um, well, let me ask just right there, like what makes this iPhone um, usability common question such a hot niche? Well, I think that uh, it's it's a built-in of. I mean, a lot of people have iPhones, so it's so ubiquity, like yeah. widespread. Absolutely, it's yeah. it's ubiquitous. Um, I think that also people who uh, have iPhone problems are naturally going to use those devices to search for answers. Um, and so most of my traffic is, is mobile. Most of the people that show up on my website are people with iPhones because a lot of the problems that we address aren't, you know, my iPhone is broken. It's really like my, uh, my headphones won't work. My iPhone won't sync to iTunes and they're using their phones to search for it. Um, but I, I think that successful niches are all over the place. I mean, there are, there are so many opportunities right now for people to um, leverage the power of the content that they already have. And if you think about it, how much is organic SEO actually worth, right? So if, if, um, if I'm paying $2 a click in Google AdWords and I'm getting 50,000 clicks a day on my website for organic SEO, then I'm getting $100,000 of, um, worth, of worth of traffic a day. If I had to buy it, I'd have to pay $100,000 a day for it. Yeah. So that's the value of, of organic SEO. And the message is that Anybody can rank number one in Google. Um, I can outrank um, Apple for their own support articles. I can outrank, you know, iMore and MacRumors and the other guys that have large teams in the big competition. Nowadays, the, the playing field is really quite level, and it all comes down to the quality of content, and Google uses a variety of metrics to track, um, you know, user engagement. And they don't necessarily publish those things, but it has to do with time on site, and bounce rate, and all that good stuff. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah that, that's, uh, that's really interesting because I think in this day and age, you often hear it's all about niches and stuff like that, which is important. I mean, there are like micro niches that you could build a blog or a course around, but there's also, <clears throat> it's important to not be scared of the mega niches, like the iPhone, something that's very ubiquitous. It's not really a micro niche, mm-hmm. but what you're doing, the strategy there is to just provide incredible value. And like if you're like clearly defining the problem and answering the question and solving that pain mm-hmm. you can compete, like you said, with the big 
players in the space like Mac Rumors or even Apple itself, which is awesome. Whereas in a micro niche, it's more about showing up and just doing the work or whatever. But you you can I don't know. I see people get into this all or nothing thinking like I have to go to the big giant hungry market or I have to go to this tiny obscure micro niche and then I'll just be a big fish in a small pond there. Yeah, I think I think it's important to go where some people are, and there are various tools that are out there um, to, and that's sort of the that's the SEO game is organic SEO is okay. Where are people searching? Like, what are people searching for? And then what hasn't already been written? And it's not a it's it's not something that I'm afraid of. I'm not afraid to go after what's already been written if I have unique content that isn't on other people's websites, and a, a lot of the people that are are reading uh, or listening to this blog path of uh, this blog podcast, this podcast are people who have unique insight into the topics that they're selling courses about. So I could write an article about um, why are my eyes so dry, which is a very common, you know, Google search. And it's not going to do well because even if I can put it together in all the right ways, I'm going to be pulling information from other websites and I'm not going to be giving anything really unique. If I were to go to an ophthalmologist and talk to them about that problem, they would have all of these unique insights that they could give me and people would respond to that and that would rank well in Google. Um, and I've, I've done that before. So people might who, who are listening to this might think, okay, this guy got lucky in one niche and he's talking like he knows everything. If you Google, um, why are there so many mosquitoes in my yard? I'm number one for that. Because <laughs> I interviewed a guy that, um, that knows that stuff. And I put it on a different domain. So it's not linked to pay it. It's actually called pay it back. Um, <laughs> at some point I separated the two. Um, but we've been able to duplicate the success and, and rank on, on the first page and number one across a variety of topics. That's awesome. I just want to highlight that point. Um, we talk a lot about in this podcast, the four requirements for building a successful platform. One of them is expertise. One of them is instructional design. The third is the right online course delivery system. And the fourth is community. But the first one there, the expertise has to be there. Um, and uh, <clears throat> the fact that you can repeat something, especially in a totally unrelated niche is definitely a clear signal of, expertise. I mean, perhaps there was some luck involved. Everybody has good and bad luck, but when you start repeating things, you know, you may not always win, but if you can, you know, repeat success, then it starts to become a lot more solid. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and with regard to giving our, giving people, giving themselves the opportunities to success, and I'm sure that you talk about this, but I think it's, it's very important for people to set themselves up technically. And I talk, we're going to talk a lot about how this all works in the course that we're going to put out. But setting ourselves, if I hadn't set myself up technically for success, I was on a $9 a month uh, net firm server, which was uh, the company that I was sort of piggybacking off of my mom's hosting plan for this website. <laughs> yeah. and did your I site go down? Did your site go down when you got not, Because I, I, um, one of the sort of miraculous things that happened between the August and the uh, six months later when it went viral in February of 2014 was that I took a whole bunch of technical steps to make my site more robust and faster that I just did sort of out of a desire to solve the why does my WordPress site take eight seconds to load problem. Right. Because I thought I, I did some reading and I, I you know, 
eight seconds. Like I, I found webpagetest.org, I found GT Metrics, I found some tools that I could use, and I saw how bad my website was, you know. And um, so I, I started to learn how caching plugins use. So I learned how W3 Total Cache works, which is which is great. Um, and then I also found out about Cloudflare. And even though I am I am absolutely not uh, paid or endorsed by Cloudflare, I have no I have no horse in in the race, but um, I love Cloudflare because if it wasn't for that and it wasn't for the caching, my website would have gone down. Um, you know, you know, how, I mean, WordPress just came out as being like sort of one of the slowest uh, CMSs out there. They were talking about that. Now it's a problem at WC at WordCamp. Mm -hmm. uh, but if it wasn't for Cloudflare, my site would have gone down pretty quickly. A lot of the people that would have seen it would have gotten a white screen and it would never have gone viral. And I would have never made the $10,000 and I would have never gone to Maui and I wouldn't be having this conversation with you today. Right. So I wonder how many smaller people's websites start to go viral and then the server dies. Yeah, or they get that, that big link from a high page rank site and then all of a sudden, boom, the site gets crushed. <laughs> so. right. and, then, and then it passes. You know, For me, it was Facebook. What, ha what happened was Facebook. Somebody shared it in uh, Texas, and yeah. that's pretty much all I know. There's somebody out there that changed my life in a very significant way. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know who they are, and I don't know if I'll ever be able to thank them, but it, it happened. They shared it. More people shared it. And, and in Google Analytics, um, I saw it just bubbled out like all over the whole country and in the world. So it was fun to – it's fun to watch when something when things do go viral. Yeah, that's a – I've heard that um, – what you're describing there described as you should build like the six lane highway, even though you're just a small thing, you should be ready. Like you should kind of plan on success. I mean, you don't want to like spend more than you have to, you know, in, in hopes that you'll be successful, but you definitely want to plan as if things might actually work. <laughs> so. well, yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. And also even if it at a smaller level, Setting ourselves up for success is important because it's the difference between a two-second and eight-second page load, even if there's only two people on your website. You know, WordPress is slow out of the box. And then when we pile on um, plugins, and I'm sure LMSs, are, it's a lot of work to do in the back end. There's just no way around having a dynamic website. So um, setting, setting ourselves up for success is important no matter how many people there are. Yeah, and just on a small side tangent, one of my recent areas of interest is this whole concept of, uh, I never really believed it, the thing that people um, are fear of success or whatever. But like, as somebody who's worked with a lot of clients, customers, launched my own projects, I recognize in myself and others that fear of success where like right before it launches imminent of the new thing or whatever it is, there's always this tendency to creep into like delay, sabotage, slow down, even with people that are already successful. I just find it fascinating. But, but even that, <clears throat> that little thing about just not even thinking about, well, what if this works out wildly successful beyond my dreams? A lot of people don't even entertain that thought. And like you said, they might miss, I think that's actually stemming from a place of fear of success. And they might miss that opportunity that, you know, their site gets crushed because they're not really ready for traffic. <laughs> and, and that's absolutely the case. And in my case, um, my, my success was really preceded by a change of thinking and a change of attitude around what was possible for me in my life. And I would never have left Apple 
if I didn't sort of have this inner knowing that everything was going to be okay, regardless of how things turned out. Um, I think that, you know, fear has definitely crept into my life at certain times about, you know, success and it still does from time to time. And um, I try to surround myself with people who help me to catch those, uh, catch me when I start to go into those delays or, you know, self-doubt or self-sabotage. I think there's a balance that happens between like being realistic and about, um, okay, this isn't going to work out. Like for instance, we went to, uh, to Cabo press together. Mm-hmm. And I went with, in with an idea that we were going to build a course around. And I think we actually talked about it the first night briefly about iPhones. And I was going to build out this whole course and there was going to be a section about, you know, and interacting between myself and the people and Brian Clark and I had a conversation the first night. He's like, Dave, that's not going to work. And I was like, why? He's just like, there's no way that people are going to pay money to do. And then I talked about it with a couple of other people. And they're like, Dave, that is not going to work. So in that case, I would have been, I I think it would have been foolish for me to continue to walk down that path, you know, having gotten advice from people that were successful. But, you know, with regard to, um, you know, fear and moving forward and fear of success, I think it's definitely a challenge for all of us at any level to, to imagine, because my mind always goes to what's the worst thing that's going to happen to me, and then I think it's going to happen. You know? <laughs> right. I can't tell you how many times the last couple of years since I've been doing this that I thought this is it, like it's all going to fall apart now. Maybe it's a fear that you know people think I'm a phony or I, you know I don't know. And uh, you know, sure enough, it's, it's never happened. So um, I just sort of have developed this. I think it's it's something that comes with experience, and I know that you have it too. Sort of a, a resilience around, you know, when uh, you know, not getting into that chicken little mode, like the sky is falling. Just okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know exactly how everything's going to play out, but I do know that everything's going to be okay. If that if that makes sense, it does. I think that's just part of the entrepreneur's journey. Of uh, it has to do with risk tolerance, and it also has to do with hedging the downside. And sometimes there's just classic grandmotherly advice where you uh, plan for the worst, but hope for the best. That's like really good advice. Uh, Well, that's awesome. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about more about transitioning to you're creating a course and what, where does that, let's start with, where does that come from and why not just keep writing blog posts and trying to monetize the blog? Like, how, how are you shifting to courses or, or rather, why are you adding courses into the mix? Right. And, and that's sort of what it is, is it's an adding um, and it's an expansion. Um, we have definitely up until a couple of years ago or up until a couple of years ago, up until about six months ago, I had done everything myself with the website and I was, you know, answering emails and running the server and, um, you know, writing new material and all the different hats that I had to wear. And it was becoming overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, And so fortunately, I was able to get to a place where I was making enough revenue. I had uh, continued to use AdSense, but also added some affiliate networking um, to my website um, in areas that are very relevant to my users. Um, And then, uh, yeah, so then I was, so I lost my train of thought. Where was I going with that? Adding courses. So how did those come into the diversification mix? Right. So I was able to hire people. That's where I was going uh, the last over the summer. And we were able to start to scale the website because I got to a place where 
I realized that if I were to, you know, if I could write more iPhone articles forever and ever, you know, I'm making some money and making more than enough to travel and live a life that it was beyond my wildest dreams, you know, a couple of years ago. And uh, it was kind of what, like what you were saying. So I hired a couple of guys. We started to scale the website. We're doing well. And, but, but all throughout this time, um, and then at Cabo Press, people come up to me and they say, hey, how do you do what you do? And a lot of people would come up to me all the time, just friends. And they said like, hey, I know I can do what you're doing. I know that I can start a blog. I have all this thing. I just need a couple of tips. How do I get started? And then I would start to explain to them sort of the beginnings of the process. And they'd be like, that's not for me. Like it's, right. it's deceptively uh, simple. It looks simple on the outside, but you know, running a successful website and, and building an L, you know, LMS and building courses online, the, the people that are listening to this know how, uh, how difficult it is to do that and be an entrepreneur and stay sane and, you know, do all those things. So um, what I wanted to do was start to um, be able to scale, pay it forward and bring in other people. And that's what we're doing, but also start to be able to teach people how to do what I do because I'm in an iPhone niche, which is highly competitive and I was able to do this. Um, and there's just, these niches are all over the internet. And the one thing that I find um, most people don't realize is that they're an expert in a topic. Like most people that I talk to are an expert in a specific um, field of you know, interest, even though that they don't think they are. Um, and so I can start to ask them things like, you know, um, what's the most common question that you get on a daily basis? Um, and they're able to, you know, from customers, they don't, people don't necessarily realize um, how valuable their knowledge is, or it can be from a hobby or it could be from, you know, my friend with the mosquitoes thing, he didn't think that, you know, knowing to spray oil in the leaves of the specific plant was anything special at all, but I had never heard of that. And obviously the people that read that article hadn't either because um, that's what they find valuable. So um, I wanted to be able to sell a course that teaches people how to, uh, do what I do, but also how to live the life that I'm able to live today, which is really sort of ridiculously good. That's awesome. And I just want to put a, a caveat on that point that, um, and this happens to me too, where people will look at something like, for example, uh, recently I just settled in Maine, but before that I was spending, I was on the road for eight months with my family, living out of the RV, going to national parks, but I was still working from the road it's not easy. And it was like, you know, f four years of hard work to make that happen. Uh, and even before that, like a decade of experience developing as a manager, as a leader and things like that. So, and discipline, like the ability to work on the road. So what may appear, like if you look at the lifestyle, like you're talking about the, you know, yeah. the stable income, the, um, uh, the, the flexibility, the, the freedom, time, income and mobility and those things. Um, and if somebody is like serious, there's people who are like, okay, I want to do that overnight too. Those aren't the people you want. Mm -hmm. And, uh, most things like if somebody wants to learn about like how to build a web agency or launch a WordPress software product, that may sound sexy, but I know it's a small percentage of people that if I was going to train, like there's the right people that are going to do the work and, uh, you know, ready to move forward. But, um, yeah, I think I think it's fascinating, and I think as online course creators, we go through this sometimes where we may fear or actually attract people that think it's going to be easy or uh, whatnot. But 
um, like you're saying, like when you start repeating things again and again and consistently like stay in business and keep things going, go to a different niche, that's always a sign of like, Ooh, there's something to learn there. Like I'm interested in your course because I know what it takes to like get to the point to grow a team and the, the amount of risk you took when you walked away from the job to stand behind your values and things like that. So um, anyways, yeah. just keep going. Sure. Yeah. And if I can back up to what happened when it went viral, because it went viral, I made, let's say $10,000 that month. Um, I went to visit a friend on Hawaii and I'm a guy that comes from a very middle-class background. I never sort of thought of myself as a person that was going to be able to go to Hawaii. Like that was far-fetched retirement type stuff for me. Um, I don't come from a family with a lot of money, you know, so it's not, uh, this is not an opportunity that's reserved for the elite. It's, it's really open to everyone. Um, so I moved, I went to visit a friend on Maui for four weeks. And I just never came back because I didn't have, I had my like local consulting thing going on here a little bit, but it really wasn't taken off that much. And then I got to Maui and I looked around and I was like, Hey, this place is really nice. And I'm, you know, right now I, I grew up in upstate New York, so it was very different. I stayed with a friend for four weeks and my traffic on my website went back down again. And I forget how much I was getting a few thousand people. I went from making $10,000 a month or, or $10,000 that first month to making somewhere between 700 and $800 the next month. And that was when I was like, all right, I can go back and I can make the web consulting thing work and try to do that. Or I can just sort of stick it out and see what happens. So I, um, I ended up meeting some people who just happened to need an SEO guy. And then they offered me a place to stay in return for SEO work, which was just like this sort of great experience that happened. Um, that didn't quite work out, but then the thing went viral again. And in that, in that short amount of time, a million people read it that month. And I was able to make something like $22,000 that month. And so I was able to live off that for a little bit of while, a, a little while. Um, it took me, I'd say less than a year to get up to with, without viral hits to get up to a baseline of, of revenue where I was making $2,500, $3,000 a month, um, which was enough for me as a single guy to live on. And all I was, I wasn't even really writing that many articles at the time. I probably had about 30 articles on my website that was doing that and paying the bills. I was actually working on other projects um, and not to get too far off track, but just to demonstrate that the reason I became overwhelmed was because I really wanted to expand and I really could have just sort of chilled on Maui for a very long time, but, um, and I could be there today, but I really just have this. Um, and I think it's part of what got me to, to where I am today and wanting to sell the course is this uh, desire to continue to learn to continue to grow. And if there's something I don't know how to do as an entrepreneur, I think that I want to naturally sort of learn how to do that. That's awesome. So with regard to my online course that I want to sell, uh, I guess I would have some questions, you know, for you too, if, uh, if I may. Yeah, absolutely. What's, what's on your mind. And, be, and before you ask, I just yeah. want to highlight that point that, and I've experienced this too, where you go through dips along the way, you might have a success, but it's never like this straight line or, you know, this hockey stick with no dips or whatever. So the fact that you like, it's just a common trend I see is people, they have their ups and downs and they stick with it. Yeah. My success has been sort of like the stock market. It's been like, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. The trend is good is what I say. And, and there have been months that have been great and months that, 
the thing is with organic SEO traffic and the, the opportunity here is not to have viral blog posts. I'm not selling a course about, I don't want to sell a course about how to write viral blog posts that make a lot of money really fast. I can show people how to build uh, a foundation of revenue and then give themselves the opportunity to have those viral hits, hits on top of that. But it comes down to a lot of the time picking content that's evergreen, the content that uh, people are going to be searching for. And it doesn't have to last forever. Like my iPhone, iPhones aren't necessarily evergreen content in the traditional sense. Because they, the iOS comes out, every year I rewrite, I rewrite my battery, battery article. But there aren't a lot of things that need to change. Um, so I think that that foundation is possible. And that's what I try to build the course around, is showing people how to um, change their lives significantly um, by you know, setting aside their concept of, of the, the path that life has to take and getting more into, okay, what could, my, what could my life be like if I had the opportunity to make one, two, three, four, five thousand dollars a month um, sort of passively? I don't really love that word, but passively, um, you know, have that money show up and then I can sort of do whatever I want to. I mean, I don't have, when I wake up today, and a lot of people that are listening to your podcast and a lot of people in our world, when we wake up, we don't have to go to work. If I want to take the day off, I, don't, I can, you know, I don't have, if, and one of the things I was thinking about was if somebody came to me today and said, I have this incredible life-changing opportunity for you, all you need to do is pack your bags and head off the door and we're going to Asia for three months. I could say yes to that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's important for people to be able to say yes to that opportunity or to put themselves in the position to be able to say yes to opportunities like that. Like what you did with, even though it is hard work to do stuff on the road, definitely. But what you did with traveling with your family and like giving them that experience is so amazing to me. I mean, how many kids get to, to grow up, you know, in national parks? It's just, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I, and that's the thing that, for me, I'm motivated by, like, money is one of the last things. It's like the ability to have, like, location freedom and lifestyle freedom. Those are really the top motivators for me. Uh, of course, I love making products and adding value and being an entrepreneur, but my biggest thing is uh, time with kids and experiences. That's what I value value most. Mm -hmm. So where I am today is I make uh, more than enough for myself to live on and to have a couple of uh, employees, and I'm very fortunate to be there. However, there are people that are getting a, a small percentage of the traffic that I do on my website that make more money than I do. Um, and so part of my struggle as a publisher has been, um, how can I monetize my content? Because it's mm -hmm. difficult. Um, generating enough money just from ad revenue, like AdSense, it's difficult. So by adding in some affiliate products, I was able to, to bump it up, like stuff that's relevant to my niche. Uh, people click through and buy hundreds of iPhone cables every month from my iPhone won't charge article. They right. go, I said, hey, you know, maybe your cable's broken. If it's not, you know, if it's, um, if it's broken, check out this six-foot cable that I use. Uh, it's on Amazon.com. And I make something like 40 cents per cable that's sold. But the way that Amazon works is you make a percentage of everything that person buys for the next 24 hours. Oh, wow. So sometimes I get lucky and make, you know, 50 bucks if somebody buys a TV. Right. So I have my main, the way that my website is right now is I have my main source of income, which is, you know, advertising revenue. 
And then I get a bunch of little checks from other places, uh, which sort of also make up a significant portion of my income. Well, that so, diversification is awesome. And I will say that <clears throat> I've often, I know a little bit about SEO. I don't have as much experience as you, but I know just in talking to people and clients coming to me, uh, everybody is, well, not everybody, but there's a significant amount of people who are hungry for SE, like ethical, experience-based, repeatable uh, SEO tactics yeah. and services or whatever. Yep. So there's a huge demand and people, a lot of people have had a bad experience with um, poor SEO information or um, services that didn't work out as promised or as expected or whatever. So I, I just know that if you can crack that and add value and add a, a reasonable, um, you know, offer in terms of like, you're not promising the world, but definitely like, okay, if you do this and if these variables line up correctly, you could expect this to happen. Mm-hmm. That's there's the market's hungry for that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I will say just that everything that I teach and everything that I practice is a hundred percent white hat. Like yeah. I don't do any of the tricks because Google is filled with rooms full of the smartest people in the world that are writing ways to take down those tricks. And it's more, it's more than that. I've seen websites and I know people whose websites have been successful for a very short amount of time and then they fall right off the map and their business goes from life sustaining to zero because they used the trick to get there and they didn't build their website on a foundation of good content and good technical stuff and good SEO. So for someone like myself, as long as my information is valuable and my website is optimized and I'm writing about the right things in the right way, then my website is going to continue to be successful. And I don't, believe in cheating and I don't believe that anyone has to cheat to be successful at SEO. And so if anybody is thinking about, you know, hiring somebody to uh, generate a bunch of false backlinks or, um, you know, anything that people do to try to subvert Google, I would absolutely recommend against it because even if you get the short term success, you can, you can fall off the face of the map. And then it's like, all right, I need to get a new domain name and start from scratch because it's really difficult to get those manual actions removed. If friends who've done that, yeah. Yeah, if you think you're gaming the system, you probably are. <laughs> so uh, avoid that. Right, should I do this? Probably not. Well, what what questions are, are on your mind about, you know, moving into the online course space or how, how can we help you? In sure. Terms of- yeah, well, I think that one of the things that we talked about before we spun up this, uh, the podcast was, you mentioned that you have some clients that, um, or you've seen some people that use your software that make $2,000 a, a month, I think you said, and then it's the same, or a year. Other $2,000 a year. Yeah. And other people that are using your software make $250,000 a year. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, well, what in your experience is the difference between those two courses? Well, I think one thing that there's a lot of factors, but one thing that we share in common is like the right niche. It's a hot niche. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. Um, Another thing that I find makes a difference between, you know, okay success and awesome success is uh, require, where there's like a requirement or some kind of governing body or board that is certified some course for something. Mm-hmm. So if it's like some kind of continuing education requirement that can be taken online and it's endorsed by some board that, you know, says which programs can be used for continuing ed, if you can get in, whatever your industry is, if you can find continuing education requirement boards and you can serve that market, 
and they and they have like they or, or some publishing body has advertising opportunities to shortcut your tra- get, getting the right kind of traffic. Those things can really take off. That's um, a great idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other thing is uh, people who don't do it alone tend to be a lot more successful. Like I mentioned before, those four areas of expertise, instructional design or packaging the lessons and course progression, um, the system you use to deliver it, and then also the having a community around it or building that community, it's very difficult for one person to do all four of those jobs. So having some help is definitely a, one of the things that um, where success comes from. And the other is, I would say it's, it's all about the content. Like you mentioned, content is king, which is kind of a cliche thing we hear, but the most successful courses that I've seen it actually rarely has little anything to do with how nice the design of the website is, or it's more about the content. Yep. And, and then the, I guess another one would just be uh, the best marketing is a great course that actually gets results. So if, if you're really clear in your offer and yeah, you got to fight in tooth and claw for your first 10 to a hundred students, but if they start getting the results you promise, like, it's that's the best marketing there is. And then that's when things can really take off. You don't have to try that hard to market if you know, you have all these success stories spilling out of your program. And it's important that the, uh, whatever that success is, is something that people are like really passionate about. Like, uh, I don't know, like weight loss or, you know, healing from depression or even like technology niches though, like drones, like, you know, all the flying drones and cameras and all this stuff now, like that's a hot niche. Like if I had some drone experience, yeah. I might make a course about that. Cause that thing is going up and to the right, like crazy. You're right. I don't know. I could keep going. I mean, what, uh, yeah, that's, that's, me. that's all great, great advice. And I, I feel fortunate to be in one of those hot niches. Um, I think like I had mentioned before, we were going to spin up a course about how to use your iPhone and, and uh, I think there's a lot of valuable information there and that's, that's something that I'm interested in and I'm really interested in helping people, especially who may be new to technology, get to know how to use it better and become more because there's, you know, technology is such a great tool to connect people. However, when I started to look at who my ideal client is and started to also build out a, um, a value ladder or a sales funnel about that course specifically, I saw where it was going to have to go. And I realized for myself that I don't want to be there. You know, the, the target market for that isn't, aren't necessarily the people that I want to work with. It's not something that I would want to get up on stage and really talk about oh, how to use your iPhone better. Um, but when I get on when I can get behind something like SEO that I'm really passionate about and something that I know works for people and I've seen change people's lives that, that that is something that I could really write about and find that target client. Yeah. I think that's really important. Like some people call that the on stage test. Like if you're not, if you couldn't see yourself on stage happily and excitedly talking about the subject matter, maybe you're just going after it because it's a hot niche or there might be some money there. Those are the wrong reasons and those aren't going to help help you when you go through the dips of, okay, I had a great month. Now I don't have a great month. Mm-hmm. You gotta be you gotta be passionate about your thing. Yeah, we're we're gonna structure our course at, at a you know a higher price point. We're gonna try to get people in with a, a and give them a preview of what everything's about and give away some valuable information. 
but then also go for a higher price points so that we can individually work with people because that's what I love to do. I'd love to be able to work with people directly um, and help them to get started because um, that's, that's what I love to do. And so it is, it is definitely a smaller, a smaller subsection of people that we're going to be, you know, going after of people that are willing to, uh, you know, invest some time into it and mm-hmm. uh, you know, that are willing to, uh, or that aren't looking for a get rich quick scheme because I think that anybody that promises a get rich quick SEO scheme is uh, probably making a false promise. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that's another thing I see with the successful courses is a, um, a high price point and it's usually achieved in one of two ways. One way is <clears throat> there's like a bunch of small courses like SEO is a big topic. You could, I mean, you could come up with 10 different courses that focus on a specific aspect and then you have a membership option where you get all the courses for a bigger but reduced price than buying them individually a la carte. So when you have that like $500 plus high ticket course, um, that's definitely a common trend with that I see with successful courses. So that's one way to bundle a bunch of small courses. The other one I see is that you just have one course, but it's just that good. Like it's, if you go through it, if the people go through it and they do the work, they 100% of the time get the result. Those kind of courses that are like truly life-changing or whatever um, can also take off. And the, in the way that I see people with one course justify a high price uh, usually involves some kind of live element. So, but you can still do it at scale because for example, if you have a monthly recurring revenue model, you're like, well, how do I justify, you know, whatever, $100 a month indefinitely? Well, you have to add recurring value. Mm-hmm. So the way people do that, at least once a month, they have a live uh, office hour where people can come and ask questions in like kind of an open-ended, just like this, you're using a service called Zoom to have a call right now. There could be 20 other people in here that could be stopping by to ask custom questions. Um, and the other one is to do a monthly webinar where either by yourself or with another expert, um, <clears throat> you go over a relevant topic and then open it up to Q and a at the end. That's another way people get to the, and justify the high price or the ongoing recurring value. That's, that's so great. I'm going to take your advice directly for those things because that's, that's right about where a price point is going to be. And, uh, the course is designed to be able to be burned through right away. Part of uh, something in my niche is that we're going to have to be changing a lot of things, um, you know, and updating as time goes on, because SEO has changed significantly since I started uh, to now, right. and, and there are you know things like accelerated mobile pages, things like the featured snippet box that have recently been introduced to mix things up, and um, HTTPS and all these other things uh, that continue to change. So that's a really great point. And I'm going to take your advice on that and add uh, either a webinar or the, we had definitely considered doing some, some office hours in terms of, you know, being able to stop in and ask questions because I really do want to work directly with people and not just sell some, you know, products. And Yeah. And, and that creates a feedback loop because when you actually hear the questions, you're like, Oh, maybe I need to make lesson two over here a little more clear because exactly. or I need to add to it. And another thing, um, in a recent LMS cast episode, we talked with Sean Hesketh of WP 101. Great. One yeah. thing Sean does really well is he updates his course. WordPress changes, just like you're saying, mm-hmm. technology changes, SEO changes over time. 
And if you're that course creator that keeps up with the time instead of, oh, this was a classic two years ago and nothing changes, like you're not really sending the message of this is the latest cutting edge stuff. Now, there are some evergreen topics like um, certain health or parenting things that never really change. But if we're going to be talking about technology, there's definitely a lot of value in keeping it updated with the, you know, Google releases and SEO best practices that evolve over time. Yeah. And especially as we get going, we're going to be wanting to spend extra time with people to help them get going so that they see the results that we know they can. And also so that we can learn more about how to structure a course in a more effective way. So one of my questions would be, um, how, what's the best way to go about getting some of your very first customers for a course? I'm fortunate because I have a website that gets a lot of traffic. I can put some pop-ups on there, or, you know, use that as a promotional tool. But also if someone, let's say they didn't have a website, how might they go about getting the very first few customers? That's a great question. So you have to tooth and claw. You have to be, um, you have to be resourceful. And one of the things that we say, which is counterintuitive because we make a learning management system software is to not launch uh, uh, like an online course in the way you're thinking first. The first thing you do is you just need to find three people and you do it all through weekly or, or monthly calls with Skype or go to, go to meeting or something like that. And everything is completely manual. You're teaching live. You're, you're catching feedback live. It's really your pilot program. To, and, you know, from these three people, you can then, okay, now I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to record my video lessons. This worked, that worked. So you, you kind of have your, your first, like, more passive online course came out of that live pilot run with three people. Now getting three people or five people or 10 people to start uh, at which you can do at a higher price point, especially if they have direct access, a lot of direct access to you as the expert. Um, you just got to do it. The, the, the three methods, which is inbound outbound and um, relationships. So everybody has their, their own unique mix Inbound meaning content marketing. If you already have a successful blog, like you're saying with a pop-up or whatever, you can do that. You can guest post. Um, you can create really SEO targeted content. Um, the outbound thing, which I highly recommend. Most people hate it. They think they hear they think cold calls or cold emails, and they want to like, you know, go throw up or something like that. But it's <laughs> if you are very clear about your offer and the type of person you want to work with you can typically find where those people hang out. One of the best ways to do that right now is in a Facebook group. There's so many really interesting niche Facebook groups out there mm -hmm. um, that you can become a part of, add value, and you know, start finding, potentially pitch some people inside there about your offer. Um, and then leveraging relationships is a big one. So if you know, you know somebody who's already has like your customer, especially if they're, or your ideal customer, especially if you're in a non-competitive, your offer is totally non-competitive with theirs. It's a, it's a no brainer to work with somebody. They look good by, you know, bringing you in and adding this awesome option to their customer. And, you know, the customer is happy because, you know, you're there to provide them with the, the course. So, it's really a struggle though. Like the startup is the hardest part, but you know, you, you were there with your blog where you had just a blank WordPress site with no traffic. 
Mm-hmm. I started with an email list of one with myself on it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's you just kind of got to, um, you have to start and leverage the, the, the content, the relationships, or the willingness to go out into the world, whether that's in person, email, or on the phone, and talk to people, your, your ideal people. Mm-hmm. To get the first, first group. That's super, that's super helpful. And um, the Facebook groups is a wonderful suggestion to find people that are going to be receptive. Um, yeah. I mean, we've, we are excited to get going and uh, like we talked about with SEO, I'm not afraid of going after um, high con or high competition um, articles, even on brand new domains that don't have any authority or any of these things that, you know, you're supposed to have to be successful at SEO. So what we'll do is we'll take uh, some parts of our course and we'll write, um, articles that give that information away and make it very valuable and then demonstrate through that process that, Hey, there's this whole other thing that they can get into that will teach them how to use this information more effectively. And companies like the, the one company that I always like to think of is digital ocean, which is my hosting um, provider. So I'll just mention, I pay $20 a month to host my website um, start to finish. And I love DigitalOcean because um, in their content marketing, because the way that I found them was I, I Googled something about like a Linux server command or something, and then they showed up. And then I Googled something else, and then they showed up. And then I Googled something else, and then they showed up. And eventually you end up on this great website that's full of great, helpful content. And you notice, hey, this, these, these people are actually not just a content provider. They actually have this whole other component, which is their, um, which is their um, product. Their, their cloud hosting. And I think that applies across the board to anybody with a product, especially if they have a database full of help articles or they have support questions or anything like that. A lot of that stuff can be repurposed fairly easily to become a great inbound SEO target. Yeah. And you know, when I'm hearing you talk about this, one of the most powerful things in, in marketing and sales and getting your first customers, which we can relate on here is, um, for example, to sell Lifter LMS, the, the, our WordPress learning management system solution, the number one place people are before they buy Lifter LMS, or, or which is free to get started, or download the free Lifter LMS to get started, um, is our demo. So basically, it's kind of meta, but they're using, they're taking our course about how to build a course, and then they then they buy the product. Whereas for you, I would also recommend the same thing: use your SEO and your content marketing re- strategy of like, take that lesson content yeah, and then pipe it, you know, take pieces of it out, push it through the blog. And then basically what better sales tool than to like talk about your journey, like watch me build a course from scratch with, from zero. <laughs> that's really interesting. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, that's something that we're, we're going to be doing that anyway. So why not, frame it within the context of the course because yeah, inbound SEO. And then it's kind of like, okay, Hey, this worked on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People, people, love that. On others. Yeah. people do that. People do that in the internet marketing niche all the time where they're like explaining how they sold you and got you on their email list and stuff yeah. like that. And it's, it's cool. Cause you can, if people are kind of have a level of self-awareness, they can take a step back and, and analyze their experience of, of all that. So it's yeah. kind of meta, but it definitely works in some niches. Mm-hmm. And you know, what I'll say is 
One of the hardest parts for me about um, stepping into this community of actually selling courses is the is the fear that like I don't know enough about the topic. And what I've seen, what what actually happened for me was I saw some people selling courses, and especially with like how to make money online, like topics like that make me think scam, scam, scam right off the bat, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw other people selling courses. Part of it was I saw them making a lot of money selling courses that were full of information that may or may not have been accurate or, or valuable. And I'm not interested in, you know, being perceived that way or in selling anything that is remotely like a scam. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if you have any advice for people who may be wondering whether their information is valuable enough to sell as a course. Like, how do you know when you're ready to step up and uh, step up to the plate and, and really put your content out there? That's a great question. Well, the first thing I would say is to go check out the LMS cast episode with Marcus Couch on imposter syndrome because uh, we talk a lot about that issue. But the reality is, I think the best explanation I've heard of that is, and, and that I've seen in practice is on a scale of one to 10, you know, you may be a six and you, you're struggling with the fact that you're not a 10. How can I possibly teach somebody else? But the reality is there's a lot of ones and twos and threes and even fours and fives out there that could benefit from your level six knowledge. So as long as you're just like a couple steps ahead, that's step one. Step two is the ability to effectively communicate and teach. Step three is to stay with it and, you know, focus on continuous improvement and having a feedback loop and commit commit to making your course better over time and look at the launch of your course the first time as the beginning, not the end. Mm. So those, there's like, there's kind of a journey through it in that way. And um, yeah, I think it's just that whole beginner's mind Zen thing where we often don't celebrate our successes. We focus on our weaknesses or we talk to other people as if they're like, a reflection of ourselves, but really they may not, they they're not, they haven't had all the experiences we've had or the, you know, the domain expertise in this specific topic. Mm-hmm. And uh, if the desire is there and if they are in fact like at level two and you're at level six, that's really all you need. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. And it, it's, it took me a while to get to that, to, to come to that realization. And, uh, it took practice too. And also I find myself teaching these techniques to people automatically. Mm-hmm. And that also got a lot of confirmation from people who put them into use and had success or yeah. put them into use and then asked me to, you know, consult with them. And it took a little while for me to get that confidence around this, to realize that like, it's a difficult thing to make promises about. It's a difficult thing to say, I promise you that if you follow these instructions that you're going to rank in SEO, I can say that it's worked for me every time. Um, I can say that it's worked for my friends every time that they followed the instructions. Um, but it's something that, you know, it's like I don't have direct control over what every person that buys the course is going to do. So I think there's a certain amount of detachment that I have to have about the result and just do the best job that I can about putting the best information out there. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And one of the things we talk about sometimes on this podcast is what I call the dirty little secret of membership sites, which is that um, 
I think Udemy published a statistic that 10% of the, of the people who bought courses there actually finished the course. So if you keep that in mind, and that's why at Lifter LMS, we really focus on the whole concept of engagement. Um, but your course should be so awesome that like not finishing it is not even really on the table. Like if you get somebody in there uh, and you get them some good results right away or as soon as possible so that they have the motivation is strong. Um, then, you know, I guess that's what, that's my advice is focus on making your course, having people be successful is almost a foregone conclusion as long as they do the work. However, the best we can ever do is share our experience and you know the world is a dynamic changing place so the best place to get to like know for certain what's going to happen is just for people to do it in the real world and you can't be responsible for that so you do have to let go of um you know reality is the ultimate judge and your job is you, you're really just a guide out there uh who has a lot of experience who's you know, helping people achieve the best possible outcome as quickly as possible. But the, the terrain is uh, uncertain and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, excellent. Well, um, if people want to find out more about you, David, um, pay it forward is P A Y E T T E forward.com. And I'm imagining people can go there. Is there anywhere else you want to send people who are interested in finding out more about you and this and possibly your course? Well, I think that at this point, uh, blog winners is still being spun up and uh, it's going to be blogwinners.com. Um, and right now there's a couple of demo pages, so I'm going to have to install a coming soon plugin. Now that I talked about it, but um, I, uh, I think that the Facebook group is a thing to, uh, to check out. So if you Google, if you want to find me, it's hard to type in payitforward.com. Type in something like my iPhone won't charge, <laughs> why does yeah. my iPhone battery die, or my iPhone won't vibrate, my iPhone won't ring, or any of those things that were like right at the top. So that's the easiest way to find me. Um, and look at, look at that. David, he's showing you right there. He's, uh, he's showing his material by showing how he ranks for these, what you would think would be. Important. Well, that's the thing. Like I couldn't teach it if I wasn't actually living it. <laughs> exactly. So I, I can do it. But uh, also the Facebook group, if you Google iPhone help or pay it forward or Google, if you search for iPhone help or pay it forward within Facebook, you'll find our Facebook group. I think we've got like 2,400 people and we ask questions and we, we interact about iPhone related problems if that's something that they're interested in. Um, otherwise, you know, they could shoot me an email on pay it forward and I'm happy to, uh, you know, to, to hear from everybody. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show, David. We'll have to do it again sometime. Thank you so much, Chris. It was great.